0: Amen. Thank you so much. And, boy, that is our prayer in these days, that God would just help us and to give us revival. Well, uh, let me do this. We need to pray this morning. Uh, Brother Mark was mentioning several we needed to pray for. But right after the service this morning, the early service, when I walked around, uh, there was an ambulance sitting out front here and found out one of our good men, Brother Jerry Martin, had had a stroke during church this morning. And so they've had to carry him to the hospital. Miss Susan just called and said that they were taking him back into that radiology area. So uh, we need to pray for him. He's one of, if you'll excuse my statement, but he's one of ours, isn't he? We ought to pray for him. So let's just stop the service and let's just pray. Let's bow our heads. Father, I want to bring Brother Jerry before you, Lord and Miss Susan. Lord, they need your help, and I pray for them this morning. God, would you please connect him to the right people over there? God give him good doctors and good people that can help him through this time. And Lord, I just pray that you just just touch him. Lord, he's your child. I've heard it, I've heard him stand many times right here in this pulpit and praise you and give testimony to the fact that he knows you. And God, I just pray you'd help him. Lord, he needs your help, so please touch him. Lord, I know Miss Susan's got to be just a, a a bundle of nerves and uh, all upset. So Lord, I pray for her that you'd let her feel your presence. God, that you'd touch the doctors, touch their hands, touch their minds, touch their abilities. God, give them the ability to help him. And God, for what they can't do, I'm so glad that you always can do. In fact, Lord, you don't even have to have doctors. And the Lord, thank you for them. But God, you're God and you can heal. So I pray you'd help him, please, and just meet his needs. And bless now the furtherance of this service this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you brought your Bible? Will you hold up the Bible all over the building this morning? I want to ask you to join me, if you will. I'm on page number uh, 864 this morning in the Old Testament, page 864. Or if you don't have an Old Scofield Bible, we're in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 22 this morning. In the Old Testament, we're going to look at one verse. One verse. It's 1024, and I plan on having you out of here at 11 o'clock sharp. And uh, so I hope you'll bear with me for just a moment, but what I'd like to do is read a verse here in a minute, and then I want to go back and kind of just break it apart, kind of section by section for the message this morning. I want to join with Brother Mark and just wishing all of our dads a happy Father's Day. Thank you for being here. Thank you for coming to church. Some of you got your children with you, and I appreciate you bringing your children with you to church or inviting them. Maybe they just showed up to come to church with you, but we're delighted to have all of you with us in our service this morning. And I hope you'll join us again this afternoon at 5.30 for our afternoon service. So go home. Here's what do. Go home, spend some time with your earthly dad, and come back tonight let's honor our Heavenly Father. Amen. And to be in church tonight, and I know the Lord will bless you for doing so. All right, Ezekiel chapter 22, if you're there, would you say amen? All right, I want you to look this way, if you will. I was reading this week, just in some personal reading of my own, about some of the great national manhunts that have taken place in our nation. I'm talking about manhunts, hunting for a man, that have taken place in our nation, and there have been many of them. Some of the more notable manhunts are these. Uh, the manhunt that took place for John Wilkes Booth after he assassinated President Abraham Lincoln at Ford's Theater in Washington, D.C. It took 12 days to, uh, to track Booth down and to kill him. And it cost our government over $100,000 back in those days, which would be the equivalent of over a million dollars today just to hunt down and track, manhunt John Wilkes Booth. Then there was the manhunt for James Earl Ray. Uh, He was the one, if you remember, that killed Martin Luther King. He shot and killed King on April the 4th, 1968. But the manhunt, it took uh, more than two months to find him covered five different countries, and they finally called him in Heathrow Airport. He's getting ready to board a plane, fly off again. But they finally called up to him in Heathrow Airport in London, England. It was considered at that time to be the most expensive manhunt in the history of our nation. Then there was a man hunted more recent times of a man by the name of Ted Kaczynski. Now, if that name doesn't ring a bell to you, this this will. He was known as the Unabomber. He killed three people. He injured 23 more people through the bombs that he made and then mailed them out through the United States Postal Service. Well, it took 18 years to finally catch Ted Kaczynski. And then finally in 1996, they, they called up to him and he was actually sentenced to eight life, consecutive life services or sentences in Florence, Colorado. His manhunt was considered to be the longest manhunt in history. But one of the greatest manhunts in the history of our nation actually took place right here in our own state. Many of you may remember back in 1996, the Summer Olympics that year was held down in Atlanta, Georgia. And on on July the 27th of 1996, a pipe bomb exploded in Centennial Park in Atlanta, Georgia. It killed one person and it injured 111 other people. Originally, the FBI thought that a man by the name of Richard Jewell had perpetrated the crime. But later on, he was actually exonerated uh, from doing that. The focus then shifted to a man by the name of Eric Rudolph. Rudolph had detonated, a little bit later, had detonated two other bombs similar to the one that was was blown up in Centennial Park. So Eric Rudolph then became America's most sought-after man. You may remember he fled to the mountains of western North Carolina and actually outmaneuvered and eluded the FBI for over five years. He was finally caught by a rookie police officer, and I just got to stop and say again, thank God, for the police officers. I know just like in everything, there are bad ones and good ones, and I get all of that. But hey, don't don't lump them all into the same basket and try to make villains out of them all. I think what took place up there in Minnesota, Minnesota was terrible. I think that was awful. But I don't want to label every police officer as being a villain just because of one bad officer. I want to say again, thank God for the police officers. Who are you going to call when you get into trouble if we don't have police officers? I say let's don't defund them. I say let's fund them a little better. Hey, I say let's give them a raise and help them out just a little bit. And let's show our love and our appreciation. You know, when I was brought up, I was taught to respect police officers and to love them. They were people that would help me. They were safety people that I could go to if I ever found myself in trouble. So he was caught, he was caught by a rookie police officer behind a Save-A-Lot grocery store in two. 2003, because he was searching for food in a dumpster. He now, Eric Rudolph, now sits today in the same prison that the Unabomber sits in. He's now serving three consecutive life sentences. Now, I've told you all that to tell you this. There have been some massive manhunts in our day. But you know the truth of the matter is those manhunts that I've just talked about along with hundreds of others pale by comparison to the manhunt that is going on in our world today. That's right. As we sit here in this auditorium on June, on June the 21st, 2020 Father's Day Sunday morning there's a massive manhunt that's underway and most people are not even aware of it. In fact this manhunt that I'm preaching about this morning concerns God and God's search for a man. You heard me right. God is looking for a man. God is on the hunt for a man this morning. So I want to speak for just a little bit on this thought right here. I want to preach on God's manhunt this morning. God, if you're a man, guess what? God is looking for you. Now you say, preacher, where'd you get all that in the Bible? Well, let me show you a verse. Look at Ezekiel chapter 22 and let me read verse number 30 and then if you will, keep your Bibles open for just a moment. Here's verse 30. So God says this, and I sought for a man among them. Right there is God's man. God said, hey, I was looking for a man among them. That should do what? That should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, for the nation. And then God said that I should not destroy it, but I found None. Now, I'll tell you, among the many things I get from that one verse of Scripture, I get it this morning. God is looking for a man. Now, i got to stop this morning and say this. I'm thankful for all the ladies that are in our church this morning. I thank God for all the female members that make up the membership of our church. I don't know what we would do without the ladies in our church. In fact, I'm convinced that if you unplugged all the ladies from our church this morning, our church would be in a royal a royal mess. I want to thank our ladies for praying. I want to thank you for loving God. I want to thank you for pushing your husband. I want to thank you for trying to bring up a godly family. I just want you to know I appreciate all the ladies that are in our church this morning. Hey, My mama was a lady. My wife's a lady. My two daughters are ladies. I got two lady dogs and a lady chicken at home. I want you to know I thank God for the ladies of our church. But I want to say to every lady in this church today, I'm not Preaching to you. No, sir. I'm not, this message is not for the female members of our church. Now, I want you to listen in and I hope you'll turn this into National Punch Your Husband in the Side Sunday. I hope every time I hit a lick or two that he needs to hear, I hope you're gouging in his side this morning. But I'm preaching to the men and I'm preaching to me. I'm preaching to you. I'm preaching to every member. Make no mistake about it, every male member of our church today. This message, I want to. I'm targeting you. I am preaching to you this morning. You see, I believe God is conducting. He's conducting a worldwide search today. A massive manhunt on is on because God is looking for a man who will just stand for Him. He's looking for a man who will just take a stand and love Him and live for Him in these days. I just want to say, God is looking for a man this morning. Will you be that man? I want you to look in our text. I got four things to say in 27 minutes about this text. First thing I want you to look at in verse number 30. I want you to see number one, a horrible situation. Now, I'm talking about the situation, the condition that the land was in back in Ezekiel's day when God came looking for a man. In fact, if you'll study this text with me and around this text a little bit, you'll find out there were two things that God said about the land, the situation of the land, the condition of the nation back in Ezekiel's day. Look at verse 24. Here are the two things. First of all, in verse 24, God said, Son of man, say unto unto her, say unto the nation, say to my, to my people, thou art the land that is not cleansed, nor rained upon in the day of indignation. Now I immediately gather two things from that verse of scripture: number one, God said the land in the days that he came looking for a man, he said the land was in a dirty condition. That's the reason, that in verse 24, he said, Thou art the land that is not cleansed. Now, he's not talking about, you know, riding down the road rolling down your chariot windows and throwing your cups and your trash out the windows. I mean, he's not talking about physical pollution, dirty highways and and, uh, stuff laying on the sides of the roads. He's not talking about a physical condition. He's talking about a spiritual condition. In other words, God said, I'll tell you, this land, my nation, the nation has become a dirty, it has become a polluted place. And can I just stop by way of comparison this morning and say as God looks down upon America. God no longer sees us as one nation under God. God no longer sees a people or a nation that's hungry and thirsty for God. In our attempts to distance ourselves from God our nation has become a dirty nation. Our land has become a polluted land. Our land has become a violated and a defiled land. It's become a corrupt land. I'll tell you we're living in a day of a dirty, a dirty land and a dirty condition. If you go back at the start of this chapter, God talks about some of the things that were going on in the land in that day. That, that leads me to say that it was a dirty land. In verse number in verse number, verse number, 3, he talks about the shedding of blood in the cities of the midst of the land. Boy, I'll tell you what, in the in the cities of our land, blood is being shed. I mean, you stop and think about it, how many murders take place in America every year. How many suicides goes on in our country. Stop and think with me about how many babies that we have Born every year. Think about how that human life has no value to it anymore. They'll cut your throat, stick a knife in your back for $5. I'm here to tell you we're living in a dirty land. A land that has distanced itself from God. And anytime you get away from God the end result is going to be there's going to be corruption and confusion and chaos. And ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what better words that we could use to describe the condition of our land today than corruption and confusion, and chaos, and contamination. We're living in a dirty land today. But not only are we living in a dirty land. Look again at verse 24. We're living in a dry land. Look at verse 24. The Bible said it's not been rained upon in the day. Now again, we know that we're not talking about physical. I just poured out two and a half inches of rain out of my range gauge this out of my rain gauge this week. We had a massive storm that came through our area yesterday. I estimated it was raining rain in 65 inches an hour. I mean, man, it rained and it rained and it rained. Can I tell you something. We're not hurting right now for physical rain, but I'll tell you, bless your heart, because we've become a dirty nation and a corrupt land. We're, we're hurting for them spiritual showers of blessing. There's not a lot of going on spiritually in our land anymore. That's why they sang a moment ago, oh God send the rain. Oh God cause the wind to blow. Oh God send the fire. If there's ever been a day we need for God's refreshing of showers of blessings to fall upon our land. It's in this day in which we live. I'm telling you, it's a horrible, horrible situation. How many of you agree with me? It's a bad day. It is a bad day. There's a horrible situation. But I want you to look again in our text because we read not only verse 30 of a horrible situation, but we read about a heavenly search. A heavenly search. You see, it's almost amazing I mean, if I would have been God in such a dirty and a polluted land, a nation that had tried to distance itself from God, If I'd have been the Lord and saw the bloodshed and the adultery, it talks about in the earlier part of this chapter that was rampant going on in the land. If I was God, I'd just wrap myself up in some clouds. I'd just stayed up yonder in heaven and said, if that's the way they want it, let them go. They'll eventually destroy themselves. But no, sir, God said, no, I'm not going to do that. It's a dirty day. It's a dry day. But I'll tell you, it's a day of grace because the Bible said in verse 30 that in the midst of that kind of environment, and atmosphere, God left heaven and came down to this earth because He was looking for somebody. He was searching for a man. He came down hurting, hunting a man. He came down hunting any man. He came down looking some man that would just stand him. By the way, I appreciate again the ladies of our church. Thank God for ladies who love Jesus, but our text doesn't say that God came looking for a woman. The Bible doesn't say that God came looking for a child, but the Bible does say that God came looking for a man. I believe with all of my heart, if we're going to have revival in America, it won't come through the female population, it won't come through the child population, but it'll be because some men get hungry for God again. It'll be because some men get thirsty for God. It'll be because some men start seeking God. It'll be because some men get to the place that they're desperate for a moving of God again. Where are the men? Where are the men that'll hunt for God? God is hunting for you, but are you hunting for God? God came looking for a man. You know what I believe the Lord is doing in this day and age? I believe God's looking for a man. He's not looking for a group of men. He's not looking for a hundred men. He's not looking for a, a massive crowd of men. He's not looking for a promise keeper, a convention, in a in a football stadium somewhere while they bounce a baseball and quote from an NIV Bible. I'll tell you what, God's looking for just one man, one man that'll love God, one man that'll stand for God, one man that still believes God can and God will. He'll turn it around. He's looking for a man. Will you be that man? Let me show you from our text this morning. I want to show you from our text. God, when he came down, I'm interested in that phrase, I sought for a man, and then the next two words, among them. I sought for a man among them. So God comes down from heaven, and he starts looking amongst the groups of the people of the nation. For instance, if you look there at verse 25, he starts with the prophets. We would say in our day, the preachers. So he says, surely. I mean, a prophet was a voice for God. A prophet was a man of God. A prophet was supposed to be somebody who stood up and spoke directly for God. A prophet was somebody who was calling the nation back for God. So God, I think, uh, logically starts there because surely there's one man among the prophets that's looking for God. Surely there's one man among the preachers that's looking for God. Look at verse 25. There is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof. And he goes on to say this. They've devoured souls. They've taken the treasure and precious things. They have made her many widows in the midst thereof. So God says this, I come looking among the prophets, but all the prophets were interested in is what they could get for themselves. They were interested in taking the treasure from the people. All they were interested in was what they could get out of the people. He said they were like ravening wolves among the people. And then he goes over to verse number 28 and says this. Those prophets should have been getting to the root of the problem. The the society, the nation was crumbling. The walls of the nation was crumbling around. But all those prophets wanted to do was get a little concrete and... The cracks with it. They just want to stick some concrete in the tracks. I, the cracks, I think we know logically that if there's cracks in the walls around here, the problem's not with the walls, the problem's with the foundation. The problem is what's going on, uh, what's going on underneath. And ladies and gentlemen, you can dive all the mortar you want to in the cracks of the wall, but until somebody takes the walls down, corrects the problem in the foundation, the walls are just going to keep cracking. Ladies and gentlemen, we got too many preachers in our land today and all they want to do is daub a little bit in the cracks. They're not interested in fixing the problems. What we need is some old-fashioned, leather lung hellfire and damnation preachers that's got prayed up and full of God and they stand up with the Bible, look people in the eye and say, if you don't like, it's fine. If you do like, it's fine. But hear what God says about it. I looked among the prophets, none. Then he left the prophets. Look at verse 27. He goes to the politicians. That's what it's meant. Look at verse 27. Her princes, that would be like you and me saying her politicians. Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves ravening the prey to shed blood and destroy souls to get dishonest gain. The politicians were no better than the preachers were. I mean, man, all they wanted was what would pad their pocket All they cared about in verse 27 was getting uh, getting dishonest. Boy, that sounds like America, don't it? There's not many up there in Washington that's concerned about poor old average people like you and me. I mean, they don't care anything about us. All they want to do is take this, take that, get rich, get fat, sassy, off of of people like you and me that are the hardworking people of our nation. God said, I looked among the politicians. Couldn't find anybody. So watch this. So he leaves the prophets. And he leaves the politicians. And in verse 28, he goes to the, uh, verse 29, he goes to the people. Look what verse 29 said. The people of the land have used oppression. Make a long story short, God said, I went from the prophets to the princes to the people, and I couldn't find anybody that was looking for me. Ladies and gentlemen, does that not pretty much sum up the condition of our land today? There's a horrible situation. There's a heavenly search. But I want you to come to verse 30. Let me preach for a minute here. I want to talk about the high stakes. Now, what is up for grabs? I mean, why should there be a man that's willing to step up? Why should there be a man that's willing to stand up for God. Well, look at verse 30. The Bible said uh, that I need a man to stand up for me in the gap, make up the hedge for the land that I should not destroy it. What's at stake here? What are the high stakes of this search? I'll tell you what they are. Our nation's up for grabs. You do understand the very fiber of America is up for grabs right now. You understand that your marriage, men, is up for grabs. You understand your children are up for grabs. You understand that this church is up for grabs. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, God's looking for somebody who will just stand for their family and stand for the Lord and stand for the nation and stand for the marriage and stand for themselves and stand for what's right. God is looking. For a man who'll stand in these days. Yes, sir. And I couldn't help but notice look at verse 30. God was looking for a man, watch this now, who would make up the hedge and stand in the gap. Now, what does that mean? Make up the hedge and stand in the gap. Well, we got to go back a little bit in our mind to Old Testament times because in Old Testament times, hedges were a common thing. What would happen was that when they built a city or whatever, they would build a wall, a hedge about that city. You know what that wall, that hedge was for? For protection. I mean, when any man planted a a field, he he would put a hedge about that field. Why? He wanted to protect what he had planted. God said of the nation of Israel back in Isaiah chapter number 5 that he had planted them in a fruitful hill. And then God said, I hedged them in. You know, America's had a hedge about it for hundreds of years. You see, as long as we honored God, God kept a hedge around this nation. A lot of the problems that other countries had, we never had here in America. You know why? We had a hedge about it. But can I tell you something? As we go farther and farther, and farther away from God, that hedge is beginning to fall down. Now we're experiencing things like terrorism and civil unrest and coronaviruses and people are hungry and starving and out of work and looking for money. I'm telling you, those things that we've saw in third world countries that didn't have God, they've now come home. You know why? I'll tell you why. The hedge is falling down around America. Amen. God has hedged us in. And because we've gone away from God, the hedge is falling down. And God said, I'm looking for a man. Notice this, verse 30, who will make up the hedge. And then notice this phrase, stand in the gap. Can I stop and say this? We hear a lot about gaps in our day. For instance, we hear about the social gap in our day. We hear about the gap between black people and white people. And I think the media is trying to really extort that gap and try to get people, white people, to hate black people and black people to hate white people when what we got to do in America is get all people loving on Jesus again. And if we can love Jesus, we'll have no trouble loving each other. But they talk about the social gap. And then we hear a lot about the financial gap between the rich and the poor. And they say what we got to do is we got to take money from the rich Give it to the poor to level the playing field. Ladies and gentlemen, there's another word for that. It's called socialism. That's what that is. If a man works hard and God blesses that man, he accumulates some wealth, don't take it from him and give some no-account bum that won't get out of the bed and turn a tap and go to work and punch a clock. My soul, man, if he won't work, don't let him eat. But in God's name, don't rob from somebody that's worked hard to give to somebody. That won't work, friend. This ain't a political rally. This is a preaching rally. It's in the Bible, friend. Let him that stole, Ephesians four twenty-eight. let him that stole, steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, that he may give to him that hath need. Ladies and gentlemen, if you can work in God's name, get out of bed, go find your job, go to work pay your tithes, pay your taxes, and live respectable in America and quit looking to others to pay your way. It's Bible, friend. Amen. You're welcome. Financial gap. Social gap. We hear a lot about the generational gap. The old and the young crowd. We hear a lot today, man, we've got to gap that distance, but what about... The God gap. Hey, when's the last time you heard a politician stand up and talk about the God gap? <laughs> hey, where, 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 where is somebody who'll stand up and say, I'll tell you, we've got to bridge this gap between God and man we got to bring the two together. we got to get, we got to get things right between the two if we're going to have it. I'm telling you, the hope of America is not in our allies. It's not in our assets. It's not in our armaments. Our hope in America is in our almighty God. And, friend, if we've got him, we don't even need assets, allies, or, or armaments. But without him, buddy, I'm telling you, not all the allies, assets, and armaments in the world can protect us if we don't have God. Amen. Yes, sir, fill in the gap. Make up the hedge. So what does that mean? Well, the gap, the hedge was for protection. The gap was for destruction. You see, when that that hedge around that field or around that flock, when there came a gap in it, it allowed the adversary to get in and destroy the crops. It let the adversary get in and destroy the flock. And what God is looking for, watch this, God is looking for a man. There's some holes come in the hedge. God's looking for a man who'll step in the hole, fill in the gap, make up the hedge to keep the adversary from destroying that which is precious on the inside. You know, there's not a man in this building this morning that wouldn't do, wouldn't give your life, to protect your family. I'm telling you, there's not a one of us in this room that if we had an intruder that broke into our home, I'm for calling the police. Thank you all for being here this morning. I'm for that. Call 911, but if he comes in, call the coroner first. Don't be mad at me, but we'll shoot first and ask questions after a while. If he's got enough gall to come in there and me shouting at him, don't you come. You better get out from here. I'm going to put something on you. Ajax ain't going to get off. Leave me alone. Go on. And if he has the audacity to come on in, we got a plan in our house. We got a plan. We went over that plan this week. You better have you a plan. We got a plan where this one's going to be and that one's going to be and who's going to shoot this direction and who's going to shoot that direction. I'm telling you, it's going to be mass pandemonium in my house. Duck is crossfire. You'd give your life to protect your family. You'd arm yourself, and you better arm yourselves in these days. If you don't have a weapon, man, go get you some weapons. I'm looking for an AR, not 15, but 1500. I'm hunting. I'm going to be ready. I'm not, listen, I'm not bragging or boasting, but I'll tell you what, I'll give my life for my family. If they're going to come in, they may get them. They may get everything I've got, but I'll give my life trying to protect them. Now, all of us in here, us men, feel that way about our families. I read just yesterday in the news that down off Cape Hatteras in a place called Salvo, North Carolina. Never been there. But in Salvo, this little boy had waded out into the surf. And when he got out there in the surf, a shark came by and bit him on the, on the thigh and went not turned loose. I mean, it was just hanging on him. He started screaming, help, help, help me. And his daddy went tearing off through those waters. Got out there where that shark was and literally, literally fought that shark with his own hands, beating it in the face, beating it in the nose till that shark eventually turned loose of his little boy. Then he picked him up and carried him back to the shore. And by the way, he's going to be okay. It took a lot of stitches, but he's, he's going to be all right. But that's a dad for you. Hey, we're going to protect our families. But guys, what are we doing to protect them spiritually? I get it. Arm yourselves. Protect them physically. Let's look after our families. But where's the man that'll step up in the gap for God? Where's the man that'll say to the devil, you're not turning my little boy into a homosexual? Hey, where's the man that'll step up in the hole and say, my little girl's not going to be a lesbian? Hey, where's the man that'll step up in the hole and say, you're not going to destroy my marriage. You're not going to destroy my life. You're not going to destroy my home. Listen, we're ready physically, but unto God, we come to church, and I mean we sit and play games on our phone. Don't even pay attention. Don't have pray. Get out of church. Won't even pick up our Bible again till next week. I'm here to tell you, it's going to take more than that if we're going to step up in the gap, fill in the hole, and keep the adversary from the... Destroying our families, friend. Yeah, man. Will you be that man? Will you be the man that'll step up into the gap? Fill in the hedge? I'm telling us it's too much at stake. Too too much, too much the value is too high to calculate. I'm not going to accept this is just the way it's gotta be. I'm not going to accept this is just the society that we're living in. I'm not going to accept this is the 21st century. This is how we think now. No, sir. I want to stand for God. I want to stand on the Bible. I want to stand for what's right. I want to love the Savior, love my wife, love my children, love my dogs, love the chicken. I want to do my best to love, but I want to stand for God. Step up in the hole. You may get it, but devil... You're going to have to come through me if you're going to get it. Amen. Amen. This stuff playing on your phone during church. Don't even have pray during the week. Never pick up a Bible. I mean, man, that kind of stuff's not going to cut it anymore. I'm telling you, we're facing things today we thought we would never have to face in America. And this playing church and playing game, hey, it's not going to cut it. Somebody is going to have to step up in the gap for God and say enough is enough. Will you be that man? There's the high stakes. The country's up for grabs. It's not a political rally. It's a preaching rally. It's a worship service. Are we going to save our nation? Are we going to turn it over to a bunch of people who don't even know God and say, here you go, you can have it? We got to stand for God. And look at me. It's going to start with the men. It's got to start with us, fellas. I'm done. We got the heaven, we got the horrible situation, the heavenly search, the high stakes, and I'm done. I want you to look at the heartbreaking sigh. So God looks. You look at verse 30. God said, I sought and I sought and I sought from the prophets to the princes to the people. I was looking for somebody. I need somebody to step up in the hole. I read just this week about the war that took place in Gettysburg. Many of you probably even been to the battlefield of Gettysburg. They said this, and I don't know which side it was, but whichever side it was overnight had built a fence around their perimeter. They built a a fence out of rocks, and what they would do is they would step up and they would shoot. Then they would have to back up and reload again, and another crowd would step up and shoot. And that rock wall, let me say it like this, that hedge gave them protection. That's what it did. But eventually the enemy, the other side, whichever side it was, through their cannons, blew a hole in that wall. And the enemy was threatening to break through. They were threatening to run over them. And one by one, the men would step up in the hole. They could only shoot one time, and they wouldn't go back and reload. They would stand there until they were killed, and they would drag them out of the way, and another one would step back up in the hole to bridge that gap, to bridge that that hole in that wall to keep the enemy from overrunning him. He would get killed. They would drag him out. Another one would step back up. And I thought, man, if they were willing to do that for, for ideas that they believe, how much more should you and I be willing as men to step up and say, devil, throw at me what you will. I'm no match for you, but greater is he is in me than he is in the world. I'll stand for God. And if we get killed, so be it. Drag me out of the way. Somebody else step back up again. Amen. Where are the men? God said this. I couldn't find anybody. I looked and I looked and I looked. And I think He's looking at our churches today and He said, Where's me a man? And the sad thing about it is, God is saying, I can't find one. Where are they at? You know what somebody ought to stand up and say? Somebody ought to step up this morning into the gap and say, Stop the search! Stop the search! Stop the search. I'll be the man. I'll stand here as long as I can. God, stop the search. I'll be the man. God's hunting us, fellas. Will you be that man? 11 o'clock, let's pray.